Bearcat Bounce Podcast, the BBP. Welcome back. I'm Brent Young, joined by my man, Mr. Aaron Smith. How are we? Coming at you live from my bedroom for once. Bedroom. Something new, something different. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Knock on wood if you have wood near you. I do. And how about that? We're getting a mailbag question out of the way right away. Where in the world is sure. Carmen San Diego? No, no, no. Where in the world is Aaron Smith? And you're in your bedroom. The BCJ edition. I, I like it. <laughs> and you have the Cincinnati hat on, Cincinnati shirt on. And you know what? I tell you what. Cincinnati, yet again, without a game in basketball. Cincinnati, yet again, no, no football games. But here's the thing. A lot of news, a lot of stories. We're going to talk about James Hudson, the rise of. We're going to talk about. Of course, all the other Senior Bowl festivities. We're going to talk about a little bit about Mike Tressel. That was already covered in the BCJ pod. But, of course, as has seemed to be the case recently, when we prepare for the BBP, a, a little morsel, a little uh, token of news is just dropped right into our lap. And the new running backs coach for the University of Cincinnati, none other than Darren Page. Expected. Uh, Expected, yes. I was gonna come. I was gonna come in with that. We're kind of taking the same Not approach officially official. of that East Lansing guy that came down. That was officially announced. But the same approach with this Darren Page expected to be named the new running back coach at the University of Cincinnati. Aaron, break down your thoughts. Give me everything that you think from that. Well, my initial thoughts are the fact that somebody got the jump on Chad, and uh, just the fact that somebody else was reporting Bearcat news before one Chad Brendel. I was, I was a little surprised. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Well, uh, I had that a was, different take on that it. Was my, that, was, that was my initial thoughts. Um, okay. It was just funny to see uh, so much smoke, but it was funny to see so much smoke coming from uh, not funny, I guess, but just uh, so much smoke coming around the Mike Daniels talks and everyone, I think thought that it was a foregone conclusion and, all of a sudden you see somebody else come in, land the job. Well, I mean, I was the only person reporting that there were interviews still ongoing last week and that they had somebody in on Thursday and Friday and that we should expect something uh, today or tomorrow. So I, I did have that part of it yep. and you know, names came out today and got I to jump meant, on me a little I bit. From the Yeah. I just meant from the uh, from the initial talks way back when we were even discussing uh, after Enos left, just that uh, people, the only name that I was even hearing from the uh, just initial talks was Mike Daniels. And then, uh, you, should, you know, you should read the Bearcat Journal message for more. Week. I'm saying, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, over the course of the last uh, week, week and a half, we did see some other names emerge. Yeah. Well, I think the Mike Daniels name is obviously there because it was there last time around. Um, it's kind of kind of the name that I think will continue to pop up, whether it be running backs coach, wide receivers coach, and any sort of coach, if you will, just because of the ties, just because of the close connection that they that he has with the program, obviously with his past as a Bearcat. You know, and then of course Armand Ben's name got tossed around a little bit and and he is with the Bearcats in a certain capacity. So, you know, and quality control coach for the team, he didn't get any any sort of rise up. And then, of course, as Chad mentioned, another name that was thrown into the mix was none other than Pepe Pearson, 
the uh, ex Ohio State running back, and you know the the Marshall running back coach last last season, and, and kind of just a, someone that Luke Fickle has deep ties with. But and then of course Darren Page comes in and he wows the staff and is able to get the uh, expected to get the role for the new running backs coach. And, you know, a lot of people are, are talking about, okay, what is the you know connection? What's, what's the reason for Darren page coming in? It seemed like there were other good options, but Aaron, you look at Darren page and it, it just seems like he, he fits the mold of, of another player that another coach that is currently on staff at the university of Cincinnati that kind of had, had a history as a good player at the collegiate level had some some experience at the professional level, then went on to, to work his way up through the coaching tree. You know, it it kind of just seems to me like when it comes down to it, if you wow Coach Luke Fickle and everyone else who was in that room and you do what you need to do in order to get that job, I think that it's going to be a good hire because we have to trust Coach Fickle at this point. Well, and to that point, you know, I, I did definitely see some mixed reviews on why is this guy coming over as a – receivers coach are going to be the running backs coach and just some uh some a mixed bag of emotions on the uh bcj boards on this hire um but again you know back to your your point that you just made you know we, we've trusted fickle in hiring you know who he's hired in the past we've trusted fickle to help in the hires of the basketball coach both for uh the the men and in the women i believe and then also for the uh, the baseball coach so I don't understand why all of a sudden people are all up in arms about a, a running backs coach when uh, he's had home run hires pretty much up and down the board. Yeah. You know, and, and of course this is one, you know, I was, I was referring to Mike Brown who kind of came in as a wide receiver coach. I'm sure I, you know, remembering back to that thought, it's like bringing Armand Benz, bringing Armand Benz seems like the, the lock in no doubter there, but of course, Mike Brown comes in, revamps that wide receiver room, and it's turning out to be a fantastic hire. I, I mean, you look at what he was able to do in his coaching career, just slowly working his way up. You know, was that Michigan offensive analyst, Delaware as an offense quality control, Liberty with the running backs, and then goes to Cincinnati with the wide receivers. So, you know, I I think the the whole sticking with the same position is kind of overrated at this point. I think that if you are a coach, you can adapt to to what you need to do. And it's kind of if you're able to recruit, if you're able to connect with the players and you're able to just use what you because coaching is all about learning and then repeating, you know, taking in everything that you've been told and then just repeating it with the spin that you have on it. So, you know, obviously you look at the past that Paige has and, you know, Stony Brook University, kind of an interesting connection there. James Tunstall is coming in from Stony Brook as well, possible starting left tackle next season. And then, of course, at East Carolina. And before that, we started to make the connection. Kent State University in 2012. And Aaron, it seems like that was when the original connection with a former Bearcat coach was made. Well, and you talk about, you know, you don't need to necessarily be the same position coach. If Darren Page at some point wants to be an offensive coordinator, he's not going to need to worry about, well, I only do receivers or, you right. know, now this is just another feather in his cap if he does, you know, plan on continuing to move up in the ranks and has that OC, you know, set on his next site. Um, you know, this is the way you do it by kind of branching out. And, you know, it's, I can't imagine that being a, a receivers coach is you, you have no idea what the running backs room is doing. So. 
Yeah. And I mean, you look at it, of course, you had Gino Gadulli as, as the running backs coach when he was originally here at the back at the University of Cincinnati. You know, it, it just seems like if you're able to go in and, and absorb everything that's needed as a whole and then just kind of just bring it out in your position group, as long as you match, as long as you recruit, I think it's going to end up being a good hire. This one might be a little bit more scrutinized and looked at because of the other names that were tossed around with it. But in the end, I, I tell everyone, go to YouTube, type in Darren Page and watch his mic'd up at Stony Brook. It is a, a coach that players seem to just connect with, a coach that seems to be fun. He has a little bit of, you know, a couple of jabs with some of his players, just kind of funny, just connection with the players as well. So I think that this will be one to watch. And if, if you can go into an interview and, and wow the coaching staff that is here and set, and you see Luke Fickle making moves that he wants to make, making hires that he wants to make instead of what maybe the, the, the public would agree with the most. And I think that's another sign of just, you know, Coach Fickle taking this program under his wings and doing exactly what he sees fit in order to take it to the next level. So it, it's a wait and see approach for Darren Page. He's walking into a room that probably needs the most turnover. I mean, Aaron, what are you looking at when you kind of just glance at that running back room that, Darren Page is coming into. Well, obviously we've seen Jerome Ford kind of get his legs under him with Cincinnati this past season. Yep. Um, and then you've got McClellan coming back uh, off that injury. Uh, beyond that, there's a lot of question marks. I mean, Montgomery, he's been talked about for a couple of years now, but we haven't really seen a whole lot to write home about on Montgomery. Uh, so no, to your point, yeah, it's, there's just an awful lot of question marks, including, you know, Ford and McClellan coming off that injury. Yep. And then, of course, Ethan Wright, a name to watch out for. That was on Chad's five young offensive players looking to make that next step. And we saw Ethan Wright in a couple of packages in that ECU game. Of course, the the runner up for Mr. Football, the year that Evan Prater won it back in 2020. So uh, kind of an exciting situation there. But sure, one that really needs to step up. But when you have Drone Ford in the backfield coming back for you, who just First off, an 84-yard run against the Georgia defense where he outran numerous Georgia defenders. I, I'd say you at least have one pretty doggone good piece. Um, speaking of pieces, Aaron, another one kind of fell into place today, and that is kind of – that was more of the expected one. Uh, Pat Lambert promoted to recruiting coordinator. And all you need to know about Pat Lambert is rewatch the signing day coverage. And when you have someone that is willing to go out and – and have the amount of fun that Pat Lambert did in, in welcoming the class of 2021. I think that you're going to have someone that's going to, that's willing to do anything that he can in order to, to attract players, recruits, and also eventually get them signed. I think Pat Lambert was the, the odds on favorite to replace, you know, Chad Bowden. And I think it's going to be a great selection. Any continuity you have coming off last year and just kind of seeing what we got to see from the recruiting team. Um, it was it was fun to watch, especially on social media. So, no, I'm all about just whatever we can do to continue that from last year. And he's going to try and roll through. Obviously, Pat Lambert, another connection to the university as he was a former player. Uh, you know, looking up at Pat's stats, I think he's he's going to use that to his advantage a little bit. You know, he's, he's got a couple of stats that would be tough to, uh, to, to measure unless you are able to crack through and be a starter. So, Pat Lambert getting the recruiting coordinator position, but Aaron, a big one was officially announced and there was an introductory press conference 
It was I mean, covered I did, in the I, BCJ pack. Go ahead. I, I did break the Pat Lambert one. You're not going to give me any credit for that, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't give me a pause. He moved right along, just plowed through. Okay. You're unbelievable. You, you You're did. unbelievable. <laughs> well, well, and then, Aaron, you, you know, you look at the Pat Lambert news, that kind of came out of nowhere today. It, it it sure did. And, you know, I'm I'm just glad that Chad beat everybody on it. You know, it just shows how connected he is with the program. And hats off to you, Chad. It's too late for ass kissing now, buddy. It's fine, Dad. <laughs> I'll, I'll make up for it in June with your Father's Day present. Okay. <laughs> That's called a softball and a home run. Very good there, Aaron. Very good. But as was already spoken about in the BCJ pod last week, the Mike Tressel introductory press conference. Aaron, you were able to watch it, take it in, see his mannerisms, see the way that he answered the questions and the answer he gave. What is kind of your your, your outlook on the introductory of Mike Tressel as defensive coordinator? I'm not going to get back into the uh, the incident that we covered a couple weeks ago. Right. I'm glad it wasn't a drill. I felt like it's time for everybody to move on, clean slate. Let's not talk about it. I like the fact that he's already kind of hyping some guys up. Uh, Maje coming first to mind, uh, as he said, that he wouldn't trade him for anyone else in the country. Uh, he seems excited to get back here. The fact that he has roots here, he kind of touched on that a little bit in the fact that uh, he feels that he's had a hand in kind of building up what this program has become. And uh, I think he handled himself very, very well. And, you know, I'm really excited to see what he brings. He hasn't committed to the, you know, four three or the four two five or anything like that so we'll see he he definitely sounds like he wants to have some uh, some tricks up his sleeve which with and we touched on this i think last week where you know with him coming in with uh his knowledge of the four three and everything that we've been able to do over the last you know couple of years with uh with the four two five i think it should be very very interesting to see how the yeah, the two worlds meet and kind of do some different things there yeah, exactly. That That's kind of what I took away was the fact that he's looking at it as a an approach that I don't have to do too much. You know, I have the players in place in front of me that will kind of get the job done no matter what position I put them in. And he sounds just genuinely excited to have this amount of talent at his exposed, you know, and the ability to then mold it in whichever way that he thinks will take them to the next level. And it's completely true. You know, he, he said a, a player run team is always better than a coach run team. Well, this defense, it's hard to find another defense in the entire country that is more run by the players than what they have with the amount of seniors coming back, the amount of leaders and the amount of high level talent. As you mentioned, my Jay Sanders, you know, of course, on the outside, both cornerback positions. I, you know, it, he just went on and on about the amount of talent that he sees on the team and how it just stacks up with anyone else in the country. And like you said, he wouldn't take a lot of other players than what he has at his disposal. So it's going to be awesome to see what he is able to do with that. And of course he kind of deflected Chad's question about the, what formation he's going to run. Cause he doesn't want to give away too much, which is going to be fun. I, you know, his first big it's, test. It's January. He doesn't want to come on, Mike. That was my oh, one no. problem with it. Like, right. come on, dude. Like you're <laughs> You can you can give us a hint on what you might run scheme wise, uh, without being coy. What seven eight months from the season starting? Sheesh. 
Hey, you never, never know who's listening, right? Yeah. Yeah. You never know who's listening. Never let them see you sweat. But uh, you know, it's it's awesome because all the comparisons that people were making about Mike Trestle on the board. And I know a lot of people didn't really agree with it, but I, I did see the Matthew McConaughey in Mike Trestle. Just kind of just some of the draws that he had at the end of, of what he was saying. All right, all right. <laughs> exactly. And and Matthew McConaughey is quite possibly one of the most smooth humans out there right now. So if uh, if Trestle brings that charm into a potential recruits living room when when in-home visits are allowed again down the road, when when things get back to normal, yep. Oh, oh, exactly. I I I see numerous good things happening for the team down the line. I thought Mike Trussell did a great job. And like you said, Aaron, putting the past behind him and focusing on the future. Anything more on Trestle? Yeah. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see what he's got. Plus, I mean, how could you not be excited about coming into this defense? Let's be real. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, we're going to break it down nuts and bolts when spring, spring practice comes around, but it's just an embarrassment of riches that he's walking into. But some of those players that did leave were able to play in the Hula Bowl and the Reese's Senior Bowl this past weekend. Aaron, the Hula Bowl is getting a lot of scrutiny for not really having any ability to find stats or coverage or anything of that sort. But the Reese's Senior Bowl did have some some good amount of coverage and, and some takeaways. Kind of what did you gather from this past weekend for both both of those games? What I gathered was it's it's 2020 and we have these bowl games and uh, I don't know it's covered in general to not have proper coverage. It's no wonder you're talking about getting rid of the hula bowl for good um, situation that fans are running into when they want to see, you know, that one last shot at, at viewing some of the players that you've grown to love over the course of their collegiate careers. So let's let's break it down. At the Hula Bowl, main storylines, of course, for the Bearcat fans would be Ethan Tucky playing his new role of long snapper. He also played linebacker. From what I was able to gather, there's yet again not much out there. Seems like he had a good showing on both sides. And I think just, you know, that that flexibility that he's going to show will be very big at the next level, hopefully for him. And then Jarrell White moving to safety. And he played safety in the scene in the Hula Bowl. And he made a couple of plays from the highlights that I saw. But you know, it, it kind of explains Jarrell White for you. Didn't play safety at Cincinnati. You know, they they created that sniper position for Jarrell White with the ability that he has flying all over the field. What do you think about him moving to safety and trying to kind of just, you know, chisel his way into some sort of position at the next level? I think it just goes to show the type of work ethic that Jarrell White was known for here at, at Cincinnati and just that, you know, he's one to leave it all on the field in every situation. I think he was probably injured a good 42 times this season um, <laughs> and just kept coming back out after a couple plays off, no matter how many times he thought he might be done for the game. He just, you know, hobbled off the field, came right back because he's a tank. So nice uh, it makes sense uh, just given his size and <laughs> I mean, 
literally. Uh, but you know, just given his size, safety makes makes a lot of sense for him. Uh, so I'm curious to see how, who takes a chance at him because um, I don't know that he's necessarily going to make uh, a, a draft pick. But you know, kind of curious to see where he lands on his two feet. Your internet connection's looking great, Aaron. <laughs> where in the world is Carlos San Diego and Aaron Smith? Your internet connection is like a strobe light. <laughs> you're trying. lucky you're lucky neither brett nor i are epileptic <laughs> don't push me too much <laughs> but no i agree i agree with drill white sounds about right <laughs> Sound like an AOL dial-up connection. <laughs> you know, I, the, the best thing about this, though, Aaron, is that it, it has become folklore on, on the board and, and for the BVP, the notorious side of, of Aaron Smith. Where in the world is Aaron Smith? He is, <laughs> he is not in Florida. He is not in a laundry room. He is, he is simply just in his He's bedroom. Fr- frozen. In his bedroom, frozen, and and it looks like he's going to try to disconnect and reconnect. But Chad, Aaron's Aaron's theme song is "Let It Go." Yes, frozen. Very very good reference. Very very <laughs> hip, hip to be square in the culture culture spot there. Oh, Aaron, there there you go. He's he's coming I can back. Hear you he's guys. moving again. He's moving again. Let it go. Let it go. <sighs> Take it back to the laundry room, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Cincinnati Bell so much. They hate you too. Let me, clearly. <laughs> let, me, let me get you a number for, for someone else then. But uh, Chad, kind of a question to you, because you were you were around when Jarrell was getting recruited to Cincinnati, obviously played both sides of the football in high school. They kind of created that sniper position. It was it was already kind of in the program, but he was kind of the one that took hold of it and took it to the next level after after it was obviously well, of course, yes, I know. But I mean, there were quite a few guys that have been been good at that position. Jarrell was definitely uh, kind of a constant there. Outside of, you know, you had the the when Perry Young was injured, Jarrell kind of stepped in at that weak side spot. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean, safety. I just don't know. Is there the speed? to cover the back end right because look it's one thing in in college it's another thing in the nfl if they see a weakness they are game planning that weakness and they are attacking it relentlessly and that's not to say can't it's just to say i don't know that if there is that high-end speed in the back end to be able to play safety in the nfl yeah i think where he is could be really, really good is special teams. And yes, obviously you've got to be able to do more than just play special teams because you only get 53 men on a roster. You've got to be able to figure out other ways to use them. But I think Drell could, could perform mighty well, kickoff return, punt, punt return, just kind of just be the test that he is and kind of just show just, just that ability to track down the ball and, 
And if you can build the speed for safety, then then we'll see if that happens. But as of right now, whose hopes got to be kind of kind of what Ethan Tucky's doing with that whole special teams look at the next level. Yeah, I mean that's going to be his best bet uh, initially is to to find his what you know find his way onto a roster as a special teams ace yeah. um, that can maybe have some versatility playing that strong side linebacker in coverage. Uh, here's the other big problem you run into, you know, for that strong side linebacker. He's what, five, nine, five, ten. Right. Right. Tight ends these days, man, are six, 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 seven. I mean, it's, yep. you know, it's so hard for one of those linebackers to be able to win in coverage against tight ends. Um, I, you know, I, 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 the crazy thing about Jarrell is you never count him out because he always finds a way to make plays. Right, right. You know, and it, there was a thought he was being passed multiple times over his four years at Cincinnati. And he always found his way onto the field. And not only, you know why he always found his way on the field? Because he was always, always, always productive. Always. always. By, yep. Always by the ball. <laughs> always making the right play. And I, and I mean, if, if you look at it, the the position you would want him to kind of be able to transition into is like, and and I'm not saying he's anything near these guys, but like like a Jabril Peppers, like a you know a Tyron Matthew when he first came into the league as as kind of just like a like a those guys had like kind of corner skills though like right right but you want to see him kind of be used in that sense. See, I, I, mean, I would I would disagree. I would say if he has you know, a, a future in terms of being a position player, he would have to be an in-the-box safety. Right. I, you know, someone that can come up and get you a, like a sack on, off of a hard blitz off the outside. I, I don't know. It'll be, uh, it'll be fun to see what he's able to do as he continues to try and continue his way to, and improve the doubters wrong, if you will. So, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, you, you always have to give Jarrell uh, J- a little bit of, of wiggle room because he, he gets the job done. So right. he could get into an NFL camp, come out, you know, if there's preseason games, who knows what, what preseason looks like next year. But if he has a chance to get on the field and he continues to produce and produce and produce, make it hard on a team to keep him around or, you know, to cut him. So right. I, I never rule out Jarrell but he's fighting an uphill battle because his measurements in, in terms of how they fit the NFL, it, it's hard to find a place for him to fit. And teams are so locked in on me being a certain size, being a certain speed, yeah. checking a certain box. And he yep. doesn't, he doesn't, you know, naturally physically do any of that. Right. But he, but he makes plays. Yeah. It's that, you know, it's that, that balance that you have to find and, what makes being a, an executive in the NFL difficult. Yeah. He, he checks the box of a football player and, you know, you look at Perry young last year and that guy was a football player. He wasn't able to find his way onto a roster. I don't know. The, the I don't think he has, the, I think Jarrell has more speed than Perry did. Right. Right. But so the size, there's, there's, size yeah. will always be the question. Like you said, one, one guy though, Aaron, that, does not have much of an issue and will be on an NFL roster next year, barring anything crazy, is James Hudson. Aaron started, you know, from 
We know about you. And now we're here where James Hudson is getting an, an invite to the combine, a weird combine this year, but kind of was turning some eyes and, and really rising up some, some draft charts with his performance in the practices last week at in, in Mobile, Alabama. And then the game was a little bit of a different story, but still James Hudson is about as high as you can imagine he would be at this point when the NFL draft is continuing to get closer and closer. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they were kind of heralding his, uh, his quick feet coming uh, in, through those practices. They said quickest in out of all the linemen that were in mobile. So, I mean, that's good to see that, you know, he's, he's certainly making a name for himself. And I think that just goes along with, you know, just kind of hammering point the home, the point that, it was his time to leave Cincinnati. And, you know, you hate to say that as a fan of the program, but I mean, he wasn't really, I don't think going to raise his stock much more than it's already at currently. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think he could have risen it with, because I think one of the biggest knocks on him is just snaps. He just does not have the amount of snaps. He has not seen all the different, you know, things that can be thrown at him because he's only played really one season. If, if and he was more that. of a defensive line. Yeah, he was a defensive lineman, really, more than yeah. an offensive recruit coming out of high school. So so if he's getting drafted this year just based off of pure just look at the upside that this guy has. And, I mean, but Chad. They're talking about him being, yeah, talking about him being his highest, what, what, the fifth overall tackle right now? Yeah. I, right there around so, the third round, yeah. So I guess my point is, you know, I'm risking – injury risking you know losing a season to COVID or something crazy you know I don't know that you know coming back for another season just to get the snaps is really necessarily going to have just driven his stock all the way up to where he we'd be talking about him being you know top two top three maybe number one tackle yeah I don't think that would have been out of the realm of possibility if he would have came back though another year with Ron Crook another year in the system another another year to continue because I mean that the 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 label that he's stuck with now is raw, and I think we saw that in the game. Right. Like I, in practice, his win weight rate, win rate, win weight, win weight. I think I want I want <laughs> wabbit. Uh, his his win rate was like eighty eight percent in one on one drills in practice, which is ridiculous for insane. a tackle. Um, I I think a lot of that. You go up against my Jay every day and one-on-ones, guess what? You, mm-hmm. you, 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 you perfect your craft uh, pretty well in those one-on-one drills. Yep. There were definitely some instances during the game where that raw label definitely looked to fit. Um, he got beat on a, an ounce, outside move that the guy turned back inside and got a sack. Uh, I don't hold him at fault. There was a, a stunt that he got beat on. Uh, stunts aren't stunts aren't supposed to be allowed right. in all-star games. So you can't hold a tackle responsible for not being ready for a stunt uh, when there's not supposed to be a stunt allowed. I don't think you can ding him for that. Um, but he had a couple plays where I, I thought overall in the game, he was really good. And, and it's actually kind of fun to watch a game like that. And really, I mean, I didn't care about anybody else. And watch just him. Yeah. Just watch just, you know, left tackle for an entire game because you yeah. don't really get to do that, um, you know, when you're covering a game and trying to, to keep an eye on everything that's going on. So I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, I thought overall he played well. 
I just thought there were definitely a few instances of that, uh, that raw label and why NFL teams kind of see him that way a little bit uh, during the live game action. Yeah. So I do think if he came back, he could have, he could have improved his stock up to from right now. He's what two to four range. Right. Um, he could have improved that stock up to, you know, late first, early second, something like that. But again, you run the risk of injury or a million other things happening. If you come back, I don't disagree with you there, Aaron. I just think he comes back and plays a full season. I think it could have been uh, beneficial to his draft stock, but he made the decision he made and it's going to be a good decision because he's, he's going to have his name called right uh, here in a couple of weeks. You know, getting a check as well. It, Another thing, when you come back, you're going to be on a top 10 team and you're going to be the player that's talked about week in and week out, as well as, you know, with Desmond Ritter on the offensive side of the football. So, you know, that's another thing, just just the more open you are, because you look at what a lot of the draft analysts are saying is saying, you know, I heard about James Hudson coming into this week. Now I'm finally getting to see what he can do, where if he was on this top 10 team where kind of got some talk and was able to to see the worth that he had last year. You get a little bit more talk behind him, but that was James Hudson. Uh, now on the flip side right. of that coin, on the flip side of that coin though, I mean, say you have a bad game against an Indiana or a Notre Dame, then all of a sudden it's, well, you were good last year against the AAC and we only got to see one half of you against Georgia. So yep. how good are you? You know, I, I, I just, I feel like he could have done more harm than, than good next year. Yeah. See, all, all hypotheticals, but as you said, smart to make this decision. He's going to get drafted. He will get paid, and and best of luck to James, and, and he's got the size. He's got the athleticism to really make make himself a lot of money uh, for the rest of his life. So uh, Jimmy Smith, though, on the other end, uh, I believe three punts that counted, one that was negated um, by a penalty flag, but – Overall, windy and mobile, but the the new punt that he's coming out with, the, the NFL-style punt, if you will, that he spoke about in the BCJ pod, his first two punts, they, they weren't great. Um, but the hope is that, I don't know, if he can get in front of a team and, and show what he can do and his charisma and, and everything that he'll bring to the team, someone's going to fall in love with him, give him a shot. But he did have a good punt that was uh, returned about – I'd say 15 yards overall, though, the wind probably hurt him. I don't know. Aside from that, what, what did you kind of draw from that Aaron and Chad? I feel like, I mean, he's got plenty of, uh, of footage. I mean, his body of work should speak for itself on top of that. I mean, you still have some sort of combine or, and or pro day. Uh, I yeah. believe they're still doing um, some type of pro day. Uh, so I don't, he's still got some, some opportunity to kind of make a case for himself. So, best of luck. The, hopefully, the one the one was definitely wind impacted. Yeah, the one that I, I can't remember if it was the first or second one, but the one that you you saw kind of hold up, uh, going down the right hand side. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I I I didn't think too much of that one. He had one bad kick, um, and then one that looked like he out out kicked the coverage a little bit. But I mean that that happens at times, like. That's yeah. the nature of the beast. Well, and then another thing is he, he, and I know it's a very minute thing, but he held every single field goal 
that they had. And he was very good on those. Yeah, and they had quite a few. Riley Patterson from Memphis. He's gonna. He's a great kicker, and he, which is pretty obvious of what we were able to see during his time with the Tigers. How about, but, how about the 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 brilliant folks from the American Athletic Conference congratulating all of the Senior Bowl participants and forgetting James Smith and Riley Patterson? Isn't that weird? Yeah, idiots. And they forgot. Uh, they forgot an, an <laughs> offensive guard from. Um, from ECU as well. So it's yeah. like, all right, let's just be let's just be choosy with who, who we decide to put on this graphic. But uh yeah, I mean overall it uh it was a good showing for all the seniors. Just kind of weird, obviously, because you do have restrictions, you know, still with the whole pandemic going on. And it's just gonna be a strange off season and trying to just show what you can do. But like you said, Aaron, Jimmy Smith has a lot of tape. He has a lot of proof of what he can do and kind of just, you know, sometimes when you have a punter and he can also hold as well, and he can also simply be a good part of the locker room. I think all of those are pluses. And so of course, Jimmy Smith still got to get him on Pat McAfee's pod. Chad, let's see if uh, we can't work that out. But aside from that, best of luck. We hope that he is able to push forward. And speaking of pushing forward, if you guys are ready to move on from, from football, I think I'll talk about a little a round ball. It's seeming as if uh, we had some, some breaking news while we were on air here, and we, 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 could, we can discuss that. You guys ready for it? I'm always ready for anything. Tell. There we go. So uh, on the coaches show, John Brandon mentioned that at practice today, there were eight players, including walk-ons. He hopes to have 10 players at practice tomorrow, and they will not have a full roster for the game on Thursday. Expectations going into the return of basketball on the road in Philadelphia against the Temple Owls. This is bad, I know your, expe- your expectations like- are conference championships still, Brent. <laughs> I'm thinking they put it all together by the tournament. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, just, uh, what, what does it take to th- just throw the towel in at this point oh, man. on the whole season for, for no all chance. of college hoops? It's just no ridiculous, chance. though. Yeah. I mean, you I deal with adversity. That's that's what happens. I'm just excited for basketball to be back. Um, you know, Ten players, including the walk-ons, is obviously not what you what you need, uh, especially for the, for the team in the current state that they're in. But you know, if if you can just simply get it back, get any sort of groove heading into the rest of the season. You know, I, I mean, this is February. Look at last year in February, things weren't truly looking amazing heading into February. Sure, they they were able to to start to get some wins together. They you know, of course, today is the one-year anniversary of that spectacular Houston game. You know, a big shout-out to, to Chad, our cameraman. He's been killing it with those flashback on this day in histories with the pictures. But, uh, you know, it just – this is this is the, the month last season that was just pure chaos, just crazy up and down. They were able to oh, string together wins, figure out adversity. Aaron, figure out adversity – hopefully just be able to get back on the court and figure it out from there. I mean, at this point, I'm not even, 
I'm not, I'm not expecting them to win anything the rest of the season, to be completely honest with you. Um, for me, it's more just about seeing the development of the guys that we've talked about, seeing what you have in a Zach Harvey, seeing what you have in a David DeJulius, seeing what you have in some of the, the uh, freshmen, you know, and just kind of just development, really. I mean, it's a rebuild right now, unfortunately. We're not used to saying those words about the, uh, the basketball program, and it just is what it is now. I mean, honestly, I'm just excited, as I've already said, to have them back out on the court. You know, you were looking at an AAC that is just kind of in flux. Um, no team other than Houston really wants to separate themselves and say that they are a good team. I, I mean, you look at yesterday, SMU lost by, I believe, tw- around 20 at Houston, which is obviously something that tends to happen. But you look at some of these teams like UCF and, you know, USF that that gave Cincy a run for their money earlier in the season and beat them Tulsa as well they've kind of all slipped up I, I mean even Temple you know they they have a good win against against Tulsa they also took down UCF and then they lose by 17 to Tulane um, at home so it just seems as if no one's really trying to step out and, and become that that second really good team in the conference uh, could it be Wichita State could it be Memphis I can see Memphis kind of putting it together as the season wears on, but I mean, I just think that it's, it's a conference where I'm not saying they're going to start to put, put together a bunch of wins, but it's a conference where there's Houston and then there's everyone else at this point. And Cincinnati has shown they can at least hang with everyone else up to this point. So I, I'm just excited to have them back on the court, get the product back out there and get, get more experience under them, as you mentioned, Aaron. And I don't know if, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then this Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday, a little bit of a treat, a little bit of a gift for old Chad Brendel. Game hey, Brendel, for noon. everybody. I fought for the people. <laughs> Game moved to noon. Game moved to noon. That wasn't just about me, Brent. That hey, was for the whole fan base. For the people. For the people. And, you know, I, I'm a man I mean, of the people. You think, you think the players don't want to watch? I'm sure the players and the production st- – like everybody there would want to be watching the well, Super Bowl the, over a Cincinnati Temple game. Tulsa. Or Tulane. 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 Oh, gosh. Tulane. Sorry. There's the whole Tulane-Tulsa thing. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Same difference. Um, <laughs> no, it was the right thing to do. Scheduling that game for 6 o'clock during the Super Bowl – was the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Period. Period. Agreed. I don't even Agreed. think networks put anything, like no other network actually, like worth a damn, actually puts no. anything up against the Super Bowl. The parents what weren't even going to watch that process? game. <laughs> the, the Puppy Bowl isn't even on at that time. I mean. Yeah, they, they, quit, they quit running the Puppy Bowl during the Super Bowl. I feel like Tari Eason's mom would have been watching. Okay, one parent would have been watching. The moms would have been watching. The dads would have been like, Brady and Mahomes are playing in the Super Bowl. Here's a fun fact for you. The number one... Oh, boy. This should be good. The number one time span where the most toilets are flushed in the U.S. of A. every year. Halftime of the Super Bowl. Halftime of the Super Bowl. Chad, I would imagine that would be right when you're in the middle of your Brendel's bites. That's why you can't go to the bathroom. You're you're cramming. You're you're trying no, to watch I, the I weekend. Would, 
I would have been uh, doing a post-game press conference at that point in time, at halftime. Just mad. I would have missed the weekend. Mad as hell. Salty as hell. And, you know, it would be funny to hear what John would be saying during that press conference. He'd be saying, all right, two questions. we got to get out. We're good here, right? <laughs> yeah. But that got moved. Tulane, I mean, get, get another Somebody team. at the American Athletic Conference has a brain. How about that? Who knew? Yeah. And and I believe someone someone us. replied Not- to, uh, to Dan Horde said, like, yes, you know, excited about it, blah, blah, blah. And, and someone replied just saying, like, yeah, I, I believe the time was conflicting with the Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, I mean, clear, clearly, yes, obviously. Thanks for the insight, Johnny. Oh. Good one, Steve. <laughs> you, you, you told us. Back to you, Bob. But either way, two away games, another away game next Thursday, and then back home against UCF. Cross your fingers for all those. As John Brandon said, things are looking like we are going to – be able to have a game on Thursday, albeit with uh, a thrown together roster that. Hey, we can get, look, there's been a lot of people on Bearcat journal over the the past couple of years that have been really looking forward to some Sam Martin time. Right. They, they might get it if Sam Martin's available, but, and we might get to see the debut of Rob Banks. Yeah. For, Rob, uh, for, for real minutes. Rob Banks, you know, maybe if he, if he breaks out and has a great game, how about a little British accent in the, in the postgame press conference? I'd love to I'm all, see it. I'm, I'm all for it. Let's I go, Rob all Banks. For all for so it. His, his nickname is Banksy, right? It has to be Banksy. You would think. <laughs> good day, Banksy. Hello, Banksy. Cheerio. Bank- jolly, jolly good show. Banksy, did you did you paint that over there? I'm just yes. saying. I mean, it would only make sense if his nickname was indeed Banksy. <laughs> Yeah, it should be. I don't know how it isn't. Sure it is. Banksy. Aaron, you are settling down to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday. Bearcats played both games. You are happy because this was the outcome of both. Go ahead. What is it? Real minutes for they Zach win. Harvey uh, over, over Micah. Um, See, Aaron yeah. understood the question, Chad. I, I Real minutes for the freshman. Keith, Keith Williams doing something that looks like leadership. Okay. Okay. Chad, I agree. Two wins would be what makes me happy. But um, some of those finer things, of course, would be a lot more appeasing as well. So two games, we hope to get both. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm excited to write a preview again. I really am. I, uh, I, I already got the template for Temple going, so that'll be easy. But uh, should be a fun game. Hopefully, a trip to Philadelphia is on schedule and we continue to roll and that gets going. Um, but, guys, obviously, basketball, there's not much else to talk about other than what we will talk about if two games are played and then next Monday rolls around. So, if you want to move on, we actually had some really good questions in the BBP mailbag. We can open that and drop those in if you guys are ready to move on, unless you got anything closing with basketball. I, I'm just afraid, let's get a game. Let's let's get a game. How about a game? Not yes. not practice. 
Not talking about practice, man. Talking about a, a game. game. A game. You need a game. You want to talk about game. practice. So <laughs> we will see who we got on the court for us this Thursday. It should be exciting. But uh, like I said, cross your fingers. We've been down this road before. Just need a game. Put the BBP mailbag. Aaron, really good questions this week. Which, uh, which one do you kind of want to open up first? I'll read a question and see if you have an answer because I don't have an answer to this one at all. Um, oh, I don't gosh. have insight into the recruiting. But how is the 2022 class shaping up as far as probable commitments? Was that a basketball board question or a football board question? That was on the football board. Um, okay. And I mean, I, well, obviously, obviously, we know the Savage Seven is gone. Finito. Yeah. We'll see you later. That was really savage of them. Um, but. You're so cheesy. Bum, 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 Jesus. Bum, 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 bum. But I, so, yeah, I think the commits that are in, obviously you want to just fortify those with, with the turnover that has happened at some coaching positions because the, the, the four that are committed are, are all strong commits, very strong commits. Um, and then, of course, C.J. Doggett has that commitment date set for March 6th. Bearcats are heavily in the running. Um, Mike Trestle had his imprint – heavily in Pickerington. So hopefully uh, he can, the, the groundwork laid with Doggett and, and his uh, teammate as well, just continuously, possibly, I don't know. That would also be a Chad question. Um, but it seems as if as of right now, just strengthening the commits that are already there and trying to move on from that. As advice for future mailbag questions. You're ready. These podcasts are free. They are. Recruiting is talked about on the board. There we go. There we go. <laughs> so watch Just your docket a, March 6th. <laughs> yes. Keep an eye on that. Um, we're things, I mean, obviously with, with Pat taking over, there's going to be a lot of continuity. But I also think you know, it's, it's the nature of when change happens. Yeah. There's a little bit of time it takes to kind of reset things. Um, you know, Freeman is gone. Trestle is in. Bowden is gone. Lambert is in. It's going to take a week or two for everybody to kind of, you know, refocus and get everything back uh, on the same page and moving as freely as things were moving before. So, you know, we just put the two hot boards up or the four hot boards up right. uh, over the past couple weeks. Those are all still for the most part, you know, it's very accurate. We'll be updating that, you know, as things progress. And I would expect here within a week or two, uh, the, the information train on the recruiting side to get completely back to normal, but it just change creates, you know, um, upheaval a little bit. Right. And that's just the nature of the beast. That's how it goes. So, um, We're all over it. We're we're tracking it. We know what's going on. It's just a matter of making sure uh, everything is is coordinated and on the same page, basically. And the the two names behind Fickle that you heard a lot with with the recruits were Freeman and Bowden. So Bowden, Bowden, Bowden. So as as things continue to move with with the new coaches in place. Then, then we'll see what ravels from there. Aaron? 
One of the, oh, one of the things oh. is just that. We good? <laughs> there good. we go. There we go. Right. Welcome uh, back. One of the things. Welcome the, back. I feel like Chad's been trying to hammer home though is the fact that when you're recruiting on the national stage, like we have, like we we've entered, is the just the that you're going to see people flip flop. Like it's not the same as when you're recruiting, you know, on a on a lesser stage. Yeah. So it's a lot more people involved at the at that point. So yes, there are I some. I mean, it's just a you know, it's a process, and also I think this is going to be a very small class, very small class. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. I mean, look at how how big the the last few have been. Well, I mean, you know, if if it, here's the thing you got to remember when you're looking around at like what's going on with the transfer portal. Sure, there have been a couple guys at Cincinnati that have jumped into the transfer portal, but it's been nothing like you've seen anywhere else. Guys are staying. You know why they're staying? Because they have a path to playing time and this is a winning program and things are going really well right now. And Mm -hmm. uh, guys don't want to leave when you're winning and things are going really well. Right. So, you know, you're dealing with a roster that is for the most part, very stable. And when you've got a roster that's stable and you've got the situations, uh, you know, with guys, you know, getting a free, everybody getting a free year of eligibility, you have to add that into play. Um, There's not as much space for a bunch of turnover in your roster, which Mm -hmm. means eventually that has to come out of your recruiting numbers. Right. And for right now, it looks like 2022 is going to be a much smaller than normal class. I I won't commit to it being half the size, but it's going to be pretty close to about half the size of a normal recruiting class. So speaking of recruiting, did you guys see the video that leaked of Nick Saban's recruiting, like of somebody who's being recruited by Nick Saban? Yes, that's literally being recorded as he's giving them his pitch. Can you imagine how pissed Luke Fickle would be if a video like that leaked out on him? Can you imagine how pissed Nick Saban is that a video? Although I didn't think it was that bad. No, I thought it was pretty much exactly what you would expect. He just seemed like Nick Saban. It didn't seem anything like crazy. Right. But yeah, seemed like he was like, look. You come to Alabama for a reason to kick some ass. And like, that's, that's what we're here to do. But how did that leak Aaron? You know, that is just, it has to be somebody that committed somewhere else that, that was just recruited by Alabama. Right. Cause right. there's no chance. Saban would no still chance want that guy. <laughs> that a kid leaked that and Saban would be okay with it. No Dabo chance. Got a hold of it and leaked it. Somebody did. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. There's no question somebody leaked it that is committed somewhere else that was originally being recruited by Alabama. Well, Aaron, but I, I kind of like this was, question. I didn't think it was much of anything at all. Nah, not too bad. Aaron, I kind of like this question. Want to know your thoughts on it. Which uh, which program do you think will be the first to get a composite top 100 recruit? Basketball? Or football. 
Aaron, your answer first. I just don't know how you go against the momentum that this football program's created around itself. And so I'm 100% going with football. Wow. Okay. Um, my point of view in the last 10 years, Aaron, take a wild guess how many composite top 100 recruits committed to a non power five school? Probably like five, if that. You're pretty close. There was a total of three in the past 10 years. Ed Oliver went to Houston. Dylan Sumner Gardner went to Boise State back in 2014. 2012, Deontay Greenberry went to Houston. And that's it. Um, Evan Prater was top 100 under 247, but not top 100 for the composite. But when you look at basketball, there are a lot of top 100 players. I, I mean, 100 players that can commit anywhere. There have been five in the last 10 years that have committed to Cincinnati. Most recently, Zach Harvey, Jaron Cumberland, Gary Clark. I just simply think that it would be, I, I mean, you're looking at these big time recruits that, that the Bearcats football team is getting and composite top 100. They are, Close, but they are just simply just not there. I think in basketball, you have a better chance of getting, I, I mean, you look at CJ Gunn. I'm not saying that he's going to be committing to the Bearcats this Sunday, but he's, he's 99th in his class. You, uh, pardon me. No, he's, he's right outside of the 100 in the composite in, in his class. That would be, you know, if he improves a little bit on a ratings boost, that's a top 100 recruit. So I think in basketball, if you just get one, I think there's a better chance that basketball will, even with all the momentum that the football team's getting. I, it's just the set, the fact that you aren't hearing anything from basketball right now, uh, as far as recruiting goes. So that doesn't mean stuff isn't happening. I mean, my head, it just means listen. It just means I ride the wave. It. I bought stock <laughs> in GameStop and Nokia oh, and oh, Doggy Coins. I'm just saying, I'm riding waves right now. Diamond hands. Diamond hands. Is it is it is it doggy or is it doge? Doge. Doggy, doge. doggy coins for fun. <laughs> here's the Chad, thing. the answer is basketball, yes. Easily basketball, because here's the thing. With football, you get to take 25 kids per class. So when you just like the, the top 100 could very realistically just be Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Georgia, Texas A&M, LSU, Oregon. Like there's yeah. seven Oregon, USC. Yeah. There's 10 teams that could take the entire top 100 and only do it by by getting 10 of those kids each. Right. So there's just no there's no space in the top 100 for a, a Cincinnati kid. Now you might get lucky with, you know, if, if, if Jawan Briggs would have picked Cincinnati out of high school, right. if Prater would have been rated similarly by ESPN and rivals that he was rated by 24 seven. Right. I'm not saying it's completely out of the realm of possibility for football. What I'm saying is if you look at the top 100 in basketball, there's a whole lot of variety and a whole lot of flavor in that top 100. 
if you look at the top 100 for football, you're scrolling through the same 10 teams from top to bottom. South the diamond hands under the line. <laughs> South Florida got a top 100 recruit. Aaron, I'm with you with the diamond hands. Hold the line. But, uh, man, I, I don't know. Don't it, be a dumbass. <laughs> it would be amazing if they were able to snag one of those. But it, I guess we can kind of roll with that with uh, with the, with another question that was sent. And it's, you know, any sense on where things stand with UC and some of the local basketball recruits with Paul McMillan, Evan Mahaffey, uh, and a couple of other, you know, Rayvon Griffith. And like we said, this is a free pot, so – we're not going to give anything VIP here, but it, I know that the main thing you take away is they're offering these kids. You know, they they are getting groundwork in on these kids and going after them and kind of the approach of just, you know, we want you stay home. You know, Paul McMillan is one that is top 100 that kind of seems like the staff has been in on for a while. You know, it, it just seems like the effort to get these local talents to stay and play for Cincinnati is a little bit higher than it has been recently. Um, well, and I think you can take what Jeremiah Davenport has done this season alone and kind of use that as a recruiting tool. I mean, definitely, it's, it's, been, it's been fantastic to see his evolution and how much it – you can literally see how much the city means to him as he represents both himself and the city every time he steps on the court. The fact that they're putting in the effort, the fact that they're doing it, I think is uh, bodes well for, for future of, of players in the local area that could come and play basketball in the city. And to somewhat answer that question, I don't think any of those kids are anywhere close to a decision. No. So I, I don't have any prediction on how any of them are going to end out because I don't, you know, a lot of these kids, man, they want to start taking visits. They want to start getting on campuses and seeing what, like, they have not, especially as we get into this 2022 class, they have not gotten to really experience recruiting at all. You know, at least with the 2021 class, a lot of those kids were, were out checking out schools, you know, when they were a junior, when they were a sophomore. You're getting kids in this 2022 class that, that aren't, that haven't experienced anything other than, you know, maybe a Paul McMillan and, and his dad going to game a game at UC or a game at Xavier because it's in town or whatever. But right. they haven't really lived the recruiting process. And I think a lot of them are going to hold off to see what happens if this thing opens in the spring, if kids can start visiting, you know, if campus visits are, are allowed, if coaches can get on the road for AAU. Uh, all of that stuff is, is going to play a huge part in how things break for 22 and 23. I agree. I agree. Um, Aaron, are you a closet savant with the uh, Bearcat baseball team? I do know that the uh, the Reds took a shot at a guy uh, from UC in the uh, the most recent draft, but that's uh, that's about the long and short of my uh, UC baseball currently. As as things get closer, we'll have to have a baseball expert on the BBP and just give us a, a, a good 10 to 15 minutes breaking down what to expect on the diamond this season for the Bearcats. Get us Euclid, Chad. <laughs> you actually had a great pod with, 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 uh, on the BCJ yeah, pod. 
I've already gotten Eucalyptus. You get yourself Eucalyptus. <laughs> <laughs> we can shoot for it. We can shoot for it. Right. Um, I mean, as a like a every other week when we're when we're not doing a you know UC football. Oh, okay, in, yeah. In the weight room. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Brady's bunch. I'll get, you know? I'll get rid of. Yeah. I, Brady's bunch. Do do do. Brady's bunch. Do do do. My favorite question that was given. Top five most bitter coaching rivalries in UC basketball history. Top five most bitter player rivalries in UC basketball history. Aaron. I've got a, I've got a number one on player easily. I've got a number one for both. Aaron, let's hear yours. It's 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 gotta be uh Huggins and and Thad Mata, right? I mean, Huggins and Pete Gillen, yeah, more so than Mata. Huggins and Gillen would be number one for the coaching. The refusal of the handshake. That was uh, what will place him up number one. So, Although, um, damn it, Charlotte. Bob, Bobby Lutz. Bobby Lutz. That one wasn't oh, heated. I forgot that one, about that one. That one wasn't heated at the time. They were great friends. Right. Until Huggins stole Delonte Hill, which in turn landed him Michael Beasley. Yeah, but Huggins and, 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 and Lutz were great, great friends. And then Huggins went to Kansas State, stole his assistant coach, who was basically like the the guardian, the legal guardian for Michael Beasley. Beasley was committed to Charlotte. Like, that's a once-in-a-lifetime recruit for Charlotte to get. <clears throat> as long as Delonte Hill stayed at Charlotte, Michael Beasley was going to Charlotte. Huggins gets the Kansas State job, hires the assistant, gets Beasley. That friendship has never been the same. No. Well – and you think about it, because all of those tough games against UNC Charlotte, and you were blowing kisses, Aaron. That was uh, Diego Guevara. Yeah. Who was blowing kisses to his girlfriend, is what he says it was. But I feel like I saw that I, will, I think times. I think Mick Cronin and Sean Miller is right there with Huggins yes. and Pete Gillen. They hate each other. Yes. <laughs> And I have I have Mick Cronin, Chris Mack, and Mick Cronin, Greg Marshall, as well. Uh, Mick's got a lot of respect for Greg Marshall, right? But Not just anymore. kind of the other stories. No, I mean I think as a coach, Mick's like I don't think Mick hates Greg Marshall. He hates Sean Miller. I don't think he. I think him and Mack have their differences just because they grew up on opposite sides of you know the tracks in town. Yeah, they've always kind of, you know, everyone hates Sean Marshall of, or Sean Miller. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mick is at the top of the list. Everyone hates Sean Miller, especially his shirts that he wears during the games. There's no doubt about that. But uh <laughs> Yeah, there's nobody that hates Sean Miller more than those shirts. You talk about <laughs> abuse. Man, you feel bad for them. But yeah, of course, uh, Bob Huggins, Pete Gillen, number one, uh Mick Cronin, Sean Miller, number two. I do have Mick and Chris Mack at number three. Uh, I've got Mick and Greg Marshall and then Bob Huggins and Bobby Lutz. But here's the thing. I feel like everyone loves 
Bob Huggins. I, you know, uh, sure, in the heat of the moment, you might not like him while you're playing against, you know, coaching against him, but it just seems like Bob Huggins is just a figure that everyone loves. If your name first name is not Nancy, so um, I think he had, I think he advanced to that as his career has progressed. That was not the case when he was younger. Right. Right. Oh. That was not the case when he was younger. Uh, players, I mean, this did Yancey and Kenny Freeze is number one. Okay. Okay. Hundred percent. Those two has to be. literally hated each other from like sixth grade. Because okay. remember, they were in the same recruiting class. They were both from Ohio. They mm-hmm. were the two best big men in Ohio their entire lives in that class. They played so many AAU games against each other over the years. They hated each other the day that they got to UCNX, and it did not get any better after they got here. Where do you Freeze lump head in? Butted, Freeze headbutted Yancey as a freshman. Yancey ended the debate as a senior. <laughs> Where do you lump in J.P. Mercura versus Mick Cronin, though? Well, that's not the question. I'm just saying. Where do you lump that in? You don't lump it in because that's player versus coach and not player versus player or coach versus coach. That is a separate category. And if that category was presented, uh, yeah, they didn't like that's each other. One. <laughs> they didn't like it's each other. It's got to be number one, right? Uh, well, I mean, you could go to Holloway and Mick Cronin because two Holloway is the one that started the brawl by right. telling Mick Cronin to suck his dick. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. True story. Um, and uh, JP McCura did something similar with that body part uh, at a local uh, watering hole there in Cincinnati. So, um, we won't touch on that e- anymore. But, but JP McCura obviously is hated. I could please, say JP, please don't J- touch on it. JP has touched on it many, many times, I'm sure. Ah, <laughs> there we go. JP and maybe Jaron could possibly say that. Um, to Holloway, Jaron and, Jaron and Greg Marshall is a good one. Yes, there you go. For, for <laughs> numerous reasons. For numerous reasons. Um, that can't be talked about on this podcast. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's just say Jaron Cumberland stays dominating the Marshalls. Um, and that's it. So next up, we Shane. I, I've got Shane Bahannon on there. And uh, from, from Louisville, uh, Shane Bahannon. And let's go with Dion Dixon. Uh, just cramming on him. One of the best pictures out there of Deion Dixon in his time and Shane Behannon, obviously notorious among Cincinnati lore for his uh, recruitment and his, the way that he went about committing to Louisville and playing for the Cardinals. Um, A lot of hatred behind Shane Behannon. Uh, You've got numerous other players. I'd say the Diener brothers, um, Travis for Marquette, Drake for DePaul. Go ahead. Do we know if the horse that was punched out was a Xavier fan or representative of Xavier University? Jesus. Oh, uh, boy. Man, you know, I don't know. You got to ask Art that question, I guess. But let's see here. I've got, uh, <laughs> I've got also Francisco Garcia and, you know, the battles that he had with Taekwon Dean as well going up against those Bearcat teams. I, you know, I think the list just – I when it goes to player against player, I think it's hard to pass up on the Yancey and Kenny Freese. Obviously, the uh, a, a punch to rule it all, but supposedly they've, they've made up since then. 
even though I'm I don't, sure. I, I don't believe that even at doubt it. all. Right. Even though that was probably something no that chance. needs to be done. Um, what was – who was – was it Kyle McAlarney? I think it was that Steve Torloy almost ended his life. Or uh, at, at U.S. Bank, that U.S. Bank Arena, against the Iron. McAlarney squared up on Steve Toyloy, and uh, the thing about Steve Toyloy, Steve Toyloy was very quiet uh, in his his outward presence to people, but Steve Toyloy could murder someone with his hands. And I think it, it was a point guard for Notre Dame in that 2008-9 season. Looking at the roster, the only one that stands out was McElarney. I'm pretty sure it was him. And Toyloy squared up on him. And as soon as Toyloy squared up, oh, he's dead. Like, if, if, if Steve swings, that dude's not getting up. Like, we, we haven't, like... Kenny Freeze is a giant human, so he was able to to, to get up from Yancey Gates's punch. Yeah. If Toyloy swings on McElarney, uh, we have charges pressed in an ambulance, uh, spatuling Kyle McElarney off the court. That's assault. It would have been. <laughs> I know it would. There would have been like like criminal charges pressed if that had come to fruition. Um, that's one that's underrated because I just remember sitting. Uh, up in the second deck of U.S. Bank Arena and watching Toyloy square up on somebody and going, oh, that's going to go wrong for that dude. <laughs> Toyloy took out a manager at one point uh, at practice one day. The manager, they, you know, they get those bags, right? Yeah. And they, they beat on these guys with those bags constantly. Mm-hmm. And the guy wouldn't get the bag up. And they kept telling him, get the bag up. Get the bag up. And he's just beating on him and beating on him. And Toyloy got a rebound and kind of gave him an elbow check. And uh, it was night-night time. <laughs> like, there was, there was smelling salts involved. <laughs> there, there, was, there was, like, it was like, you know, uh, Mike Tyson fight. <laughs> like, the, the guy's just Conor McGregor laying there uh, <laughs> taking an – he was taking a nap. He got a nice like three or four minute nap in practice that day. So that was never good good play. Good play, Steve. (laughs) That one never came to fruition. Toyloy and McElarney. And I think it was McElarney. I could be wrong. Um, But that one never actually came to fruition. But if it had, that would have been a very, very bad day for Kyle McElarney looking. Yeah. I'm, pretty sure it was McElarney because Toyloy played 8, 9, 9, 10. I don't see anybody on this 10 roster. For While Notre you're Dame. looking that up, I did want to point out that Xavier's unable to field a football team, which is why we're unable to flip this coin to the rivalries going on in football versus basketball. Okay. It's, a very, it's a very original point. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you. What about... Uh, it goes back to one of my favorite quotes in UC, UC sports history, though, in my time covering. Yeah. Connor Barwin. Yeah. That being. At the Crosstown shootout, at halftime of the Crosstown shootout, where Connor Barwin said, if Xavier had a football team, we'd kick their ass. Was that the one that they won? Mixed first year? 
No, well, no, it was after it was after Barwin had graduated. He came okay. back. Okay. Uh, as you know, as like a you know, as a fan. And they had him come out and take the mic at halftime of a game. And oh, yeah, yeah, He went there. <laughs> Another top five that I want to do in a future pod is it, I kind of thought about it with a couple of the at this date in history is just top five halves, your favorite half of Bearcat basketball. Uh, because the, the last two Houston games that were kind of mentioned, one was at uh, NKU, where in that first half, the Bearcats got down by, I believe, 17 against Houston. Stormed back and, and took the lead heading into the locker room. That was an awesome half of Bearcat basketball. Another Jacob one, Evans course, three at the buzzer. Yeah, Jacob Evans banked in the three at the buzzer. Yep. And then another one would be last year. Uh, the game that took place on this day one year ago was the uh, that Houston game, or I believe it was yet yesterday one year ago. That Houston game, that second half of the Houston game was the loudest I've heard. Fifth third, one of the loudest that I've heard. Fifth third. Um, Another one being that Xavier game where Trayvon Blewett went off in the first half and it was not enough as the Bearcats won in the second. But that'd be a great five favorite Is that not three halves. of your halves, though? Like, that, that's... Yeah. I I mean, that half was awesome. Just that comeback against a... a I'm saying, you said you want to do this in the future, though. <laughs> you yeah. wanted to do five in the future. You just won three. I know. <laughs> true. Very true. But... Aaron, did you have any other player rivalries or or uh, coach rivalries in the past? No, I think we can move on. I think you touched on the the unorthodox ones um, that uh, are I'm very thinking. much very much on the forefront for us. <laughs> but the final question, Aaron, I'm I'm interested to hear what your answer to this one is. I'm going to kind of let you take the mic on this one. It's uh, you know, how do you guys think? Coach John Brandon can create a similar buzz with the basketball program that the football program has. And what would be your personal plan to start? And what would your end product look like? Aaron, you are now the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats and you have a blank template. What are you doing? Win a game. That's for starters. You got to just <laughs> win a game because uh, there has not been nearly enough of that. Right. Uh, but that said, uh, you, you have to, like you, we all got to move on past this uh, this affair between Coach John John Brandon and uh, and his his concrete footed center. I mean, it's you know we're running small. Let's run small, and you got to just keep pushing with that. So it's uh, less less Chris vote, even when he puts up the good minutes. You know, I, I think we've all kind of we're all ready to move past that. I think that we all see writings on the wall there with that particular uh, spot in the rotation. And it's, it's time to run small. So let's see what we got. And just, again, this season, you got to just continue to develop players. So you got to get time for, you know, uh, the development of Tari Eason, for Mike Saunders, for uh, Zach Harvey and, and Jeremiah Davenport and, and DeJulius. And let's, let's go and see what we have with that. So I know you can't, you know, completely just let go of your seniors at this point um, with – with Keith and Chris Vogt, especially with them having gone to the NBA prep and all of that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's just a matter of that's been the most exciting part of the season is when you have the young guys on the floor, the small guys on the floor running and gunning. Uh, so you have to keep doing some of that and hope that you get some highlight dunks out of it. Hope that you get some threes at some point and uh, just create that buzz. But if you're really going to run 94 feet, 
both ways then you really have to run 94 feet both ways and you have to start doing more traps and you have to start doing more it, what his words were just that 94 feet both ways yeah i agree uh the buzz comes with winning and it comes with exciting basketball which is two things that the the system that john brandon brings is supposed to have with it so i i agree string together some wins show show some upward projection and uh just kind of show hey this is the style that we want if you are conducive with the style then come join us and we'll have a lot of fun and, and win basketball games in the process. So I agree. It, it starts with winning and luckily for the Bearcats, it seems as if however adverse it is, they will be taking the court this week, fingers crossed in all hopefulness, but it starts with winning. And uh, we'll agree. The correct answer is win. Win. Cause, yes. cause you know, you know what Luke Fickle's not doing if he had lost eight games a year. One, he's he's not coaching the Bearcats anymore. Right. Two, he's not having the success he's having. <laughs> you, you win, you win thirty-one games in three years. Life gets a little bit easier to do all the things that you want to do. Yeah, and I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You are saying, and well, you look at it that that second season for for Coach Pickle, it, the the football team had some real real nail biters. I, I you look back at that Ohio game. I mean. Just, just numerous games that could have gone the other way, and they were right there. They, they pushed through. Kind of saw that with John Brandon in year one. He had some real strong seniors leading the way, though, that pulled out some of those victories for them. You just got to start winning. And I think that hopefully this Thursday and this Sunday could be the start of something uh, if they are able to play, knock on wood. As of right now, it is looking all systems go and uh, push forward. And- um, I don't know about all systems go. Like, enough systems go. Right, it is, right, it is right. looking like enough systems go. Like, like, like three, four systems go. Something around there. Right. Like, I like- swear to God, if I'm ever looking for like a pep talk for, you know, before a job interview <laughs> or a, a life coach in general, I swear to Christ, I'm calling you and I'm just going to have you just, Aaron, I, I'm your hype man. I got you. You got this. I am my the eternal optimist. My goodness, man. <laughs> My line's open. Oh, well, I didn't say they're going to win both games. I just said, let's, let's just hope to get back out on the court. You said all systems go. John Listen, Randall I don't like, know that I wouldn't. four dudes to practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you I haven't played a game since running. January 10th. What? <laughs> I don't know that I'm not running through a brick wall for Brent Young. I'm just telling you, man. Yes. Of course you are. That Now, the problem often is the wall doesn't move. So instead of running through a brick wall, exactly. you just run into it. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have Jake Renfro be your lead blocker through that wall. How about that? <laughs> Dylan O'Quinn polling for you. We got you. Well, Quinn would be the better choice. So Quinn's yes. a crazy person. He probably could get through a brick wall. And Aaron, you're right there running through it behind him. That's all that That's matters. <laughs> Aaron tries to run through a brick wall, and I'm picking the brick wall. Oh, the, Aaron, my internet Aaron? connection stops me before I even get there. <laughs> Aaron, I'm Aaron, I'm picking you. Aaron, I'm picking you to run through that brick wall. I believe in you. You've got this. <laughs> Man. There's a preview of the pep talk, but real quick way, before we move on from Yeah. Real quick before real quick before we move on from the segment, I did want to say thank you to uh is it is it Coach Koch Cock 
1948, uh, UC Merck 17, Skins 99, Jack 513, Demonk 55, and Final Four Bound. Thank you. Don't thank Skins. He doesn't deserve. Don't no. Don't thank him. He's just trying to. He's just trying to. He's trying to start stuff. That's what he does. He's trying to start stuff. It's fine. He knew. (laughs) He's poking the bear. But uh, he's always poking the bear, and I'm the bear. It's a good book. Lately, it's been me and my internet, so it's fine. <laughs> well, I see why yeah. your internet's been wild this entire time. <laughs> the only problem is that is not a rivalry because your internet always wins. I know. Undefeated. Undefeated. <laughs> Never lost. <laughs> and it well, doesn't matter where you are. You've been all across the country. And no matter where you are, you, you haven't had a good internet connection yet. Even when you're in a room with wired internet, your internet stinks. I know. I know. <laughs> we'll get there. We will get there. I believe in us. But I'm gonna la- I'm gonna label this. I'm gonna label this one AOL dial up. <laughs> it's a good label. <laughs> it's a good label. I need I need Brent to have this same type of you know enthusiasm when he calls my internet provider and just tell him <laughs> okay. to hook me Look, up. You can for do God's it. Sake. You can do it. I promise you can do it. Whatever whatever's going on in Aaron's house, I got faith in you. <laughs> how many how many players did you say you have on your team? Hey, that's fine. You're gonna pull out a win. Two wins this week, and three coming on Sunday. You got the Super Bowl coming up. Travis Kelsey back in it. Watch out for him. Um, you know, boys. The internal optimist says this this has the possibility to be a, a pretty doggone good week for the Bearcat faithful if all things keep going forward. Aaron, anything in closing? It's been a rough night. I tried. I don't think I'm going to be broadcasting from my room ever again. <laughs> it's, you think you, think you could you can get hear the, me, I'm sorry. You think you could get the modem in your room? No, it's, I, I'd have I, to have I, a 200 foot cord. I, 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 hate, I hate all of you. Well, we love you, faithful BBP listeners. We will hope for wins the rest of the way, even if the adversity is as strong as Aaron Smith's internet connection. <laughs> Outstanding. That's that's enough. We, that's how you end it right there. Well, hey, for Aaron Smith, I'm going to cry myself to sleep in the fetal position tonight. Couldn't really hear you on that one. But for isn't, Aaron, isn't that, isn't that like every night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love you. We love y'all. Well, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, I am Brent Young. We will power through. A lot of Bearcats coming up this week. Cheer on Travis Kelsey, obviously. Two basketball games. But for now, this is the BBP on Bearcat Journal and that's in my bed.com.